passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast, of course, our 94 WIP YouTube page. Check it out there. Subscribe. A lot of our video podcasts. Myself at Tucker Bagley. We put them up there. And today, of course, it's a big day. The Phillies are up 1-0 in the National League wildcard series and can close it out tonight with Aaron Noll on the mound. Some thoughts on game one, and then we'll get to game two here. You know, a couple of themes popped out last night, and, and I'll get to one that you're a part of, that we're all a part of. But let's just start with, I thought, the story. I agree with Skip Schumacher, the manager of the Marlins, the story of the night was Zach Wheeler. He he was dominant. I mean, just completely and totally dominant from the jump. That fastball was playing so well last night. And then the sweeper, a pitch that, you know, we heard about when, you know, they got the spring training, they were trying to add the sweeper to kind of give him a different kind of slider to throw in certain counts. And then we really didn't see it a lot during the season. Once in a while, he would, he would break it out, but it didn't seem like a great command over it. It just wasn't a gigantic pitch for Zach Wheeler this year. And then last night, in a playoff game, in game one, Zach Wheeler throws a ton of sweepers. I think five or six of his of his strikeouts came on the sweeper. It was a phenomenal pitch for him. And I think we are just, we're experiencing something rare. And it feels like we have almost got swept up in it. I, I tried to dive into why a few months ago. I, I think it's a little bit because he's understated because the team has bigger personalities, because a pitcher below him on the pecking order is more of a lightning rod, because his first year here was the pandemic year, so everything just kind of, you forget what happened that year. But Zach Wheeler in a Phillies uniform 
has been one of the greatest free agent signings, obviously, in Philly's history. I believe one of the great free agent signings in Philadelphia sports history. And we're also now at the point, five years, $118 million. This is one of the greatest return on investments in pro sports history. Like in the, in, Since the advent of free agency, this is one of the greatest contracts we've ever seen signed by the Phillies or given out by the Phillies to Zach Wheeler, a true ace, a number one, unflappable, him on the mound against anyone, I will feel good about it. And I mean anyone. You tell me Spencer Strider, and I know they're probably not going to match up the way it's going to kind of play itself out, but whatever. Spencer Strider, I feel good about it. Clayton Kershaw, I feel good about it. Corbin Burns, I feel good about it. Zach Allen, I feel good about it. Obviously, Jesus Lazardo last night, I feel good about it. Line them up, I feel good about it with this guy on the mound. You go to the other side of the bracket, whoever it's going to be, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish for the, the Orioles of the World Series, I feel good about Wheeler. Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, we saw this, this kind of stuff last year, I feel good about it if it's the Astros. Line them up, Kevin Gaussman, I think I saw that matchup in May at the Phillies-Blue Jays game, I feel good about it. Any of those Twins pitchers, Jorge Lopez who went yesterday, I feel good, Pablo Lopez, I feel good about it. That's how good Zach Wheeler was last night. He is dominant, and he will and should be on the mound for Game 2 in Atlanta next Monday night, assuming the Phillies get there. So that was the number one story. The second story, and it continues to be an uncanny story that we're all part of, and any of you that have been, if, if you've been to any playoff game in the last two years, you're a part of this. The crowd, the home field advantage. It is not just us patting ourselves on the back. It is real. Last night I heard Jeff Passan and ESPN say it's like an SEC football environment for a baseball game. It is so unique. We do not see this in baseball very often. And it nothing else. Like I watched all those games yesterday. The Minnesota crowd was really good. That, that was a good crowd yesterday for the Twins and, and the Blue Jays game. The Rays crowd, obviously, we know that. I mean, it's a joke. They can't draw 20,000 people to a postseason game for a 99-win team that has World Series aspirations. It's a joke. I mean, it's just it's embarrassing for the sport that they have a team in Tampa and that team can't, you know, that, that fan base can't support it. So just throw that one out. Milwaukee's a nice crowd, but, like, nothing compares. Nothing compares to what we see here in Philadelphia. The team feeds off it. The, the fans feed off the team. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I... You know, baseball home crowds, it's not like football, right? Like, you're not typically going to have a false start like you would in the playoffs in Seattle or in Philadelphia or in Kansas City because the crowd is so loud. It's a different kind of sport. But when the crowd is that good in baseball, you know, you think back to the old Yankee Stadium crowds. Think back to Fenway Park rocking at its height as the Red Sox were trying to break the curse of the Bambino. They're different. They are different. You know, there are different kinds of crowds that do make a difference. I thought, you know, the old kingdom in Seattle. Now, that team didn't win anything, but that old kingdom, that place was very, very difficult to play when that place got rocking. And Citizens Bay Park is that. It, you know, last year, Rob Thompson called it four hours of hell. Maybe it's closer to three, three and a half now with the pitch clock. But it is remarkable. It is a remarkable home field advantage that matters. And... I expect the Phillies to finish this off and get through the Marlins. And then here's the deal. If the Phillies could go split in Atlanta this coming Saturday and next Monday, next Wednesday, when they come back here for game three, it will be a ridiculous crowd. Not just a loud crowd. It will be a ridiculous crowd to the point where it will be deafening. I mean, remember last year when they talked about how, you know, there was... 
basically, you know, it's not like an earthquake in South Philadelphia. That's what it will be a deafening crowd next Wednesday in Philadelphia if the Braves are here, especially if that series is tied 1-1. Obviously, the Phillies are up 2-0 and they could finish it off. I mean, that would be crazy. But if it's at least 1-1, it, it will be crazy. And I think it really matters to these players. You could tell the, en- the energy they play with in this building in October is just different. Bryce Harper flipping the, you know, the, the helmet off as he rounds third base. And you have Alec Bohm throwing his glove down when he can't make a throw to get a guy out. The, the, the dugout on any big hit when Pache got the hit. You know, they're not acting like it's a game one. Like, they're, they're acting like their life's on the line with all of these plays. It, it is so much fun to watch. Last year being there was so much fun to be a part of. And I think next week is going to just be just even more electric than we've seen it so far. A couple other things that stood out to me last night, and then we'll get to thoughts on game two here um, and, and really some more X factors for tonight. So I thought it was a big night for Rob Thompson. Thompson, as he did, I'd say, most of October last year, pushed an enormous amount of right buttons. Let's go to the lineup. You know, I gave mine yesterday, and I suggested maybe sacrificing a little defense for offense. Topper didn't do that, didn't go with Sosa, and which would have obviously pushed, you know, Boehm to first, Harper to DH, and Schwerber to the outfield. He went with, kind of brought the Phillies the last couple months, which is better defense. Started Pache against the lefty. Boom, it paid off. He makes the catch on the Arise slicer in the first inning. That's I'd say typically a hit against most left fielders. Pache caught it. And then Pache gets the RBI single a little bit later in the game. So paid off big time. And then I loved how against the lefties, or against the lefty starter, plus knowing there's all those lefties in that bullpen for Miami, you had Topper change the lineup a little bit and put the two righties in between the lefties. Dropping Harper to four, Bohm to three, gets Bohm the extra at-bat against the lefty, and that paid dividends when he started the scoring with that ringing double down the line. I mean, Topper pushes so many right buttons in these spots. These guys believe in him. He's usually right. His pitching decisions last night all worked out wonderfully, pushing Wheeler to where he did, then going to Alvarado, and then going to Hoffman, high leverage Hoffman. You want him with guys on base. And then, you know, it helped. They pushed that lead to three. I thought it kind of calmed things down for the Kimbrel save opportunity. If that's a one-run game, if it's a two-run game, you know, that's that's not what you want there with Kimbrel because he's been shaky the past couple months. But Topper, once again, has himself a great night. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Now, a key to the game yesterday, I thought, and a key to the series, was going to be if the Phillies' right-handed bats actually do what they're supposed to do, which is hit lefties. Because, you know, you figured last night that Luzardo would have some success and the lefties out of the bullpen for Miami would have some success against Schwarber and Harper. It doesn't feel like a Schwarber-Harper series. Now, they both got hits last night. Everyone got a hit last night. But does it feel like they're going to dominate this series because of the, the pitching, at least game one and two, that Miami's going to throw at them and the bullpen guys they have? This has got to be a series that is Turner, that is Bohm, that is Castellanos, and it's Real Muto. And last night, those guys delivered, and they totally flipped the script on Luzardo dominating them. So, you know, you think about it, Bohm and, and Real Muto and, and Turner, I mean, they really all, especially 
Bowman Turner. They really got things going, and and they made it happen last night. And it'll be a key against tonight. Now, the flip side is Braxton Garrett goes tonight for the Marlins, lefty. He actually has poor numbers against these guys. Now, Lizardo had good numbers, and the, the Phillies flipped the script. We'll see tonight what happens. But Bohm, 5 for 9 with a homer. Great numbers. Real Muto, 3 for 7 with a homer. Turner, 2 for 6 with two homers. Have dominated Braxton Garrett. Can they continue it? Will he flip the script? We shall see tonight. Look, Phillies are in a great place since the wild card series began. The three-game wild card. They had it in the pandemic year 2020, and then obviously last year again. Game one winners have gone on to win the series 10 of 12 times, 83%. So the Phillies are in a very, very good spot. Now, I don't think Braxton Garrett's an easy pitcher. Now, we'll see if the Phillies guys hit him like they have. But this guy held opponents to one or zero earned runs in 16 of his starts this year. That's second in baseball. Only Blake Snell, who's likely to win the NL Cy Young, actually did it more often. So this guy's capable tonight of going out there and throwing six innings, one run ball. He's done it. Now, I think the Phillies get to him. They have the bats to get to him. They have the matchup history to get to him. But it, it's possible they, that he shuts them down tonight, which puts the onus on Aaron Nola to pitch well. I'll hit on that in a second. One, two negatives from last night, just to touch on. I thought it was obviously a tough night for Dusty Wathen. I mean, he really did not have a good night. I didn't totally hate holding Schwarber in the first inning. You got the heart of the order coming up. It's the first inning. Luzardo's in the ropes anyway. They have cannons in that outfield, as you saw later. When uh, Chisholm threw a runner out at home, threw Castellanos out, they have they have cannons. I mean, those guys could throw from the outfield. Now the throw was up ahead of the the plate, so Schwarber would have been safe. It looks in hindsight like a bad decision, but the worst decisions were later. I mean, sending Castellanos when he did, he was a dead duck on the on the Chisholm throw, and then trying not to send Harper. I thought that was a no brainer send to try to go up four one. That ball in the left field corner took a while, and Harper was really p- picking up steam around second, going to third. And Watha puts a stop sign up. Good thing, you know, Bryce has the, the mind to just blow through that stop sign and score. So tough night for Dusty Watson. He's got to clean that up. One very little thing, but in a tighter game against a better team, could become a bigger thing. Bryce Harper, you still see once in a while the lack of the, of the instinct at first base. That play where it kind of set up the run for the Marlins off a of wheeler. That's an instinctual play at first base. That is a play where the first baseman with more reps under his belt, more time under his belt, knows that's not my ball. That's the second baseman's ball. I'm going back to the bag. And I know on the broadcast, they were like, well, Wheeler's got to get over there. That's tough. I mean, that play is not a, it wasn't a totally soft, you know, grounder or liner that it's like you have plenty of time to get over there. Because I think Wheeler's probably thinking the second baseman's going to make that play. Bryce is going to be at first. And it turned out to be the other way. So, that's a little thing. Keep an eye on it. Bryce, the instincts at first base. It's not physical ability. It's not like the routine. He makes those perfectly fine. It's those instinctual plays. Where am I supposed to be in this play that I've maybe never actually seen before? He's still a little green on those, as you can see. Now, as far as Nola tonight, it's tonight's the night that will totally be the litmus test for the confidence of this fan base going to Atlanta. Look, Nola could pitch awful tonight, and they win. And the Phillies are going to Atlanta. I think people will have some trepidation about the Braves because of Nola. Nola could pitch great tonight. Phillies lose, but winning game three, I still think there's going to be good confidence going to Atlanta. But the way tonight to instill the confidence, like the big confidence, is Nola's performance. He goes out there tonight, and he shoves for seven innings. And the Phillies win this game 5-1. to one. 
if tomorrow in Philadelphia is going to be a we want the Braves kind of Thursday. We are going to beat the Braves kind of Thursday. That's the confidence level. Nola and the Phillies can instill tonight. The last two outings were very good. 16 strikeouts, no walks. This is the best back-to-back starts I've seen him Nola all year. He's kept the ball in the ballpark for the most part. I believe just one home run allowed the last two starts. Down the Marlins have hit him. So tonight you get a, a situation where the Marlins have hit them this year. The Marlins have hit Braxton Garrett this year. Both Braxton Garrett and Nola are obviously capable of throwing good outings. Could be a higher scoring game tonight. You know, lower scoring is it play too. I, I have no idea what I'm getting out of either of these pitchers tonight. Last night was pretty easy to predict. You know, Wheeler was going to pitch well, and it was a matter with Luzardo of could he handle it? Would they rattle him? Would they get to him? I thought he threw the ball pretty, I thought he threw the ball well, but he was just not quite ready. And the Phillies had some really good at bats. Roas had a good at bat. Castellanos had good at bats. Stott had good at bats. Like they just put good at bats on him and made him work. Tonight, go for the kill, end it. I do feel good about where Nola is, but we got to see it now. We got to see what he did at the end of the season, carry over, especially against a team that hit him around during the season. Last night was fun. The crowd was incredible. And Zach Wheeler is the story. I mean, this guy is one of baseball's best pitchers, and it's one of the greatest contracts we've ever seen a team give out. And it was given out by the Phillies. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following WIP Daily. Back tomorrow, break it down. Game number two, and hopefully, hopefully previewing a game one and a series against the Atlanta Braves. Enjoy game two. Have a great time if you're there. I'm sure the crowd will be electric for game two against the Miami Marlins. We'll talk soon on WIP Daily.